This is the Fix-It Show on WTMJ. Advice and opinions expressed during the program are solely that of the hosts or guests and not WTMJ Radio or Good Karma Brands Milwaukee, LLC. When it comes to home repairs, we could all use a guy. Well, we've got the guy and we've got the show. For all your home improvement questions, we've got answers. This is the Fix-It Show on WTMJ. Presented by J&B Construction and Signing Unlimited. Now, here's your host, Dayton Kane and David Nason. Well, Dayton's off again this weekend. He will be back next week. I'm Libby Collins, along with David Nason. And the Fix-It Show is sponsored by Signing Unlimited and J&B Construction. And, well, first of all, David, good morning. Good morning, Libby. Good morning, everybody. How is everybody doing today? You know, I think people are doing a lot better. Yes. Because... uh, you're in Milwaukee, of course. We didn't have groundhogs. We had penguins. <laughs> penguins. <laughs> did, any, did anybody hear the discussion that Vince and, um, and Eric had about that oh, <laughs> during the week? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> Or they, they talked about it, and John and, and Greg talked about it. I, I think they came up with a great idea that we should have a rotating different animal every, every year. Uh, and at the, if we at the did, zoo. what would be what would be your animal that you would want to predict the weather? Uh, you know, maybe a monkey. <gasps> you um, know, I was going to say that. Yeah, yeah. I think a monkey would be great. Yeah. That monkeys would know the weather, or yeah. at least they'd pretend they would. Yeah, that, yeah, they'd probably like stick their tongue out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're going to have a long, cold winter. So, yeah, I, um, at the zoo, that's the first place I go is right. to where the monkeys are always. Sure. Well, I, I, we're not here. We're not here for monkey business today. David, we are here to talk about your home and things to do around there or or things that maybe you have questions about. And as always, if you want to get through, we've got the WTMJ Talk and Text Line at 855-616-1620. And this hour, it's just you and me. So we have a lot to cover. And I've got some questions for you because, you know, a lot of us really got hit with that storm. Mm -hmm. We didn't have power for four days. We had some huge branches that came down, and my husband has just looked at these branches and said, leave them till spring. (laughs) There was so much snow there, Um, and we're not alone. There were a lot of people that had that outside, maybe didn't do damage to the house, but the yards are a mess. Now, with the weather getting a little bit better this week, should we go ahead and say, okay, springtime, let's get rid of these things and get them out of the yard and chop them up and move them on out? Well, it it's Wisconsin, Libby. You know it's not springtime yet. It it, it might kind of look like it's getting close, but it is it is February third, and as as everybody who lives here in Wisconsin knows, we are going to get snow. We're going to get more snow. I mean, at least that's what everybody's hoping for. I really feel for all the people up north that are having uh, hard times without without the snow, but. But we will get cold and snow again. So it's kind of like halftime. That's what I'm kind of seeing it as. We've got this warm-up. The snow, the all the big snow that we got melted. Um, most everybody's roof is clear now, so we're not worried so much about clearing your roof or ice dams. But it it is a great idea to get out and take a look at maybe what might have happened in your yard. As you were saying, branches that are down. Of course, if they're really big branches... You and they're and they're not in anybody's way or or potentially going to cause any other problem. You could leave them. Uh, of course, with all the melting snow, the ground's kind of wet 
And so if you, you tried to get out there with any kind of equipment, you might cause some damage to your ground. But clean up smaller branches. Make sure your downspouts are attached. Uh, right now, if it's warm enough, we, we might get rain instead of snow. So you want to make sure your downspouts are attached and, and that's going to divert the water away from from um, the house. If you do have any snow left on on bushes or something, maybe brush off your bushes so they get a chance to, to get back to the, where they were. Uh, again, check your sump pump and with, you know, with the you, melting you that we've those, had. You mentioned those branches, and I know a lot of people were concerned about their arborvitae. Sure. With, with that heavy snow that was on there. Are you seeing those come back? Uh, you know, it, not so much. I, I, I see uh, just yesterday I was at a house where there was literally one, it was probably 15 feet tall and the top seven, eight feet was bent almost like 90 degrees oh, and wow. it, th- there's no snow on it. It's not coming back. So, so you really needed to get out and clean the snow off right away on stuff like that. But, um, I, a tree I have in my backyard, I was really surprised when we had all the snow I didn't normally you don't go clean snow off a tree, but the branch had enough snow on it that it actually came down. And when we walked on our driveway, you would hit your head on the branches, the little branches. But now that there's no snow on it, it's back. It's got to be up another foot, foot and a half. So it's not even coming close to us. So it, it sagged that much. That's just amazing. That just goes show you how strong trees are. You know, if they have a big, a solid branch, but it's how much they can sag, but then large trees will come back. But I think it's the bushes, arborvitaes and bushes that have a little more trouble with that. I think you might be right. Well, we've got some texts coming in already on the WTMJ Talk and Text Line, and we're going to get to those. And if you want to get through, uh, let me remind you of that number. It is 855-616-1620. We've got an open line with David Nason this hour. On the Fix-It Show, it looks like we've got some sunshine today. Can you believe it? We're going to get up to about 40 degrees and that temperature right now, 33 at WTMJ at 713. He's inspected homes inside and out, and he's here for your home issues now. It's the Fix-It Show with David Nason on WTMJ. And we have an open line this hour, which means David is here to answer all your questions on every topic imaginable at 855-616-1620. I'm Libby Collinson for Dayton Kane, and let's get to some of those texts. Uh, David, the first one says, I have aluminum trim around my front door, and it needs to be painted uh, because it's finally getting into the 40s this week. Should he do it now? or And I love this. Should he wait until, quote, unquote, Actual spring. <laughs> Actual spring. Right. <laughs> Love that. That's what I said. Yeah, we we it's it's feeling a little like spring, and I'm feeling it too. But yeah, it's not quite. So the big uh, the big thing here would be probably which way the door faces. And what I'm saying is, does it face south? Um, I remember one of the projects I worked on years ago in, in a larger construction job. The front of the building faced north. And in the winter, you literally were completely bundled up, and it was so cold on the front of the on the front of the building. But yet, on the south side of the building, on a sunny day, there was guys working in little more than a sweatshirt because the sun just made such a difference in the temperature. Uh, if you were in the shade or if you were in the sun, so if this house is facing, if that door is facing to the sun to the south, 
you probably could could do it. Um, the the big thing is the you got to look at the paint that you're using. A lot of paints do require that it, it be thir- above 32 degrees uh, or maybe even 40, but somewhere in that range for 24 hours. So, uh, of course, we, that would be Thursday and Friday because yeah, you're going to get in the 50s. Right? right, and it's not getting below 32 overnight. So being in the sun and, and not getting below freezing overnight are the big keys there. Okay, what about if it faces east or west? Uh, it's still pretty good. Face, facing north, you're probably not going to get a chance, but east, especially west... West is the afternoon sun on a sunny day. That's that's the, the hottest sun as the sun's going down. Um, so, yeah, yeah, you probably got a good chance on those sides. Okay, well, let's go back to that that storm about a month ago where a lot of people lost power, and you know they were envious of their neighbors who had generators. And and we've got a question here: Is purchasing a standalone outside generator a good investment? And what are some of the pros and cons? So I, I I purchased one myself uh, for the the times that that went, um, you know the power might go out. In my neighborhood, I've had the power go out, but very I've been there 22 years. I can count on one hand maybe how many times it's gone out, and and typically it's very short time. I know some places. I think you said you were out without power for how many days? Four days. Four it days. Went out at- yeah, I yeah. mean it was about eighty hours. That's that's was, a long time. If you if that yes, happens, if that happens in your area frequently, uh, a whole house generator may be something to consider. Jason Fox uh, from Capital Heating, they 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 are electrical division. They do that. Um, there's other companies that we've had on Best Electric Services does that as well. But but uh, like I said, I bought one just because I there's going to be times when. You might need it now. If you have a just a standalone generator, you have to you have to understand that you can only just plug things into it. So it's running. It's going to be outside. You can't run a standalone generator inside because it's probably going to run on gasoline. They do make some that run on propane, uh, but but still, you can't have a combustion um, um, engine running in your home. You're going to get all that carbon monoxide and not going to live through that. So. So you want to um, just understand that what are you going to plug into it? So you could run an extension cord and plug in your refrigerator. You could run an extension cord and plug in your sump pump. But most furnaces are installed so that they're, I guess, hardwired. You know, they don't have an extension. They don't have a cord that you can plug into. Now, you could probably have an electrician do that for you so where you have a switch on the side of your furnace that could become a plug so then you could plug that into your your um, generator but mm-hmm. but you just you just have to understand what you're going to be able to plug into plus then the runtime as well the one that that uh, that's going to be a whole house generator is going to run on natural gas so that's just going to run as long as you have natural gas service but a standalone generator you have to make sure you have enough gas on hand the, that you can keep filling it probably every six eight hours or so whatever whatever the capacity of your generator is running and and you know what are we talking about in is expense for generators because that's all over the place isn't that right it it really does depend I, part of the reason I uh, I bought mine is I have to I have to full disclosure my sister uh, works at Kohler and uh, so I took advantage of a Kohler family discount and I got an incredible deal on a on a fairly high-end portable generator uh but you're probably looking at somewhere between 
1500 and $2,500 for a, a, a good generator that's going to that's going to be able to power a lot of stuff. Now, if you want, you can buy them in the hundreds of dollars, you know, four, five, six, eight hundred dollars, but they don't have as much capacity. So it really depends on, again, what you're going to want to uh, be powering. If, if you're, and again, you're not going to be powering your entire house. The, the whole house generators is obviously a whole house. The standalone ones, like I said, you're going to maybe your refrigerator, your sump pump, and if you can make your furnace, uh, you know, plug in, you want. And those really are probably what you really need in an outing. You, you don't want all your food to go bad. You don't want your sump pump to stop working, and you need heat. So. Sounds like a plan. Mm-hmm. All right, I know we've got more questions coming in on the right. talk and text line at 855-616-1620. We've got David Nason here on the Fix-It Show, and we're going to take all of your questions this hour. Next hour, by the way, Jason Fox from Capital Heating and Cooling is going to be joining us, so get those questions for him ready as well. Looks like we're actually going to see some sun today with temperatures getting around 40 degrees, 33 at WTMJ at 723. Doing your home project, but stuck on what to do next? We're here for you. This is the Fix It Show with David Nason on WTMJ. Dayton, still out. I'm Libby Collins along with David. And uh, David, you know, I know a lot of people this time of the year, they've been spending a lot of time inside. They're looking and saying, you know what? The bathroom needs to be updated. Oh, wait. I want to I, I wanna do something with my kitchen. Or maybe, you know, they've been spending some time in the downstairs area and it's time to well it's time to update or, or right. maybe even finish off the the basement what should they be doing right now if they're seriously considering a project of that scale around the house yeah start planning basically uh you want to be talking to people uh we had sidex on last week they do bathrooms you want to you know call people like that uh, all the other uh, guests that we have on the show here that do exterior work, they're starting to, their schedules are getting filled for the spring. Uh, in two weeks, we have the Nary Home Improvement Show out at State Fair Park. We'll have some people from Nary on next Saturday to talk about that a little bit more. But start start doing the planning that needs to, if, you're, if you have something in the back of your mind, and even if you don't end up doing it now, or it, maybe it's a little longer term, Start calling people, get get appointments. Most contractors will come out to your house for free. Take a look at uh, at what you have in mind. And sometimes getting on their schedule even to come and look. I mean, they're, they're not as busy right now, but you still, if you want an appointment that meets your schedule, you might have to... To wait a week or two to to meet to get into your time frame that you, that you need. So planning is key to start thinking about things. You have bigger projects so that you're not. You want to be proactive. You don't want to be reactive when you're doing your project. Well, you don't want to be rushed either. Yeah, right. And because that's when you make bad decisions. Right. Yeah, that, that gets, that's what I meant by proactive. You want to you want to take your time. You know, and take the time that you need. And, and plan things. And sometimes, depending on your project, let's say you mentioned basement remodels. If you want to do something really cool, really, really outside the box or something, uh, some of the products that I've heard of seen of going in, in basements, they, they might have a really long lead time. Uh, or you might need to move things around down in the basement. I'm not talking the structure, although you can do that. I mean, you that, that can be a little more extensive. But, you know, if you really need to plan things, lay things out, there's you, it, it takes a little time to do some of that. 
Yeah, are they still having backups on getting supplies like like a few years ago? Really not so much. I don't hear so much about that anymore. I, I've heard other parts of the world maybe, but not so much here in the States. Uh, there's always, I, I, we've really moved to a kind of a, on on demand. I don't know if that's the right term, but basically there's very little, I mean, if you go to Home Depot and Menards, these kind of stores, they have a lot of stuff on their shelves and everything, but stuff that goes into a a custom remodeling project or building a home, they're really, those items are being manufactured as they're ordered. Uh, your, Your cabinets, your your windows, uh, things like that. Lumber is always kind of being built and everything, but the, all the specialty products, overhead doors, those are really being built and made as you order them these days. So we really don't have too much of a backlog anymore. Yeah, I mean, that's good to know because, boy, a while back, it seemed like, especially if you're ordering things like windows, oh, yeah. you were so far out, mm-hmm. and it seemed like it took forever before those things would come in. Right. Well, we... We've got David Nason here. We've got plenty to talk about this morning. Of course, I know he loves talking to you most of all. And because we have an open line until 8 o'clock, you can get through on the WTMJ Talk and Text line at 855-616-1620. Also, uh, David was in some crawl spaces this week. We're going to hear about that. But here at 730, let's go to the WTMJ Breaking News Center with Jack Brown. Jack. The home inspector is here to help with all your fix-it needs. This is the Fix It Show with David Nason on WTMJ. It's seven thirty-four. I'm Libby Collins, and for Dayton Kane, along with David. And playing, if you want play, to get through, playing some uh, Caribbean type music there. I think Dayton's yeah. on his way home right now. Is he? Yeah, yeah from Costa Rica. Been, yeah. I'm so jealous. That's mm-hmm. such a beautiful place. I did want to ask you though. Um, and by the way, you want to get through. This is the time because we've got an open line this half hour, 855-616-1620. David, you spent a lot of time this week, and I'm not quite sure why, <laughs> in crawl spaces. <laughs> and, you know, I, I, we talked about basements before. When was I, There aren't a whole lot of houses out there with crawl spaces, are there? So comparatively to, so like uh, the middle part of the country, Tennessee, Kentucky, that kind of central band of, of the United States and, and towards the east, there's a lot more crawl spaces there. They don't do full basements. And then also down south. So we do have crawl spaces around here. There's some areas where little low-lying uh, areas that the water table might be a little higher down in Muskego. I've seen a number. Uh, also, is fairly common for... Uh, many home designs, if you have a two-story colonial-type house with an attached garage, and then there's a family room behind the garage, a lot of times that family room is on a crawl space, and it had to do with cost. The contractor would build the basement, which is pretty much a rectangle, and then the garage foundation was only four feet deep, so they just did the crawl space behind it to match. So the excavation and the cost of the construction, you know, they, they saved a little bit on that. But Really, a crawl space, the idea of, of building crawl spaces has changed a lot. Um, yeah, we see them a lot of them in Greendale. Um, a good friend of mine just texted in my, my personal phone that Greendale, the houses, those old originals, those are all on crawl spaces. But um, but your many crawl spaces were built years ago where they just had a dirt floor in them, 
and you put a plastic vapor barrier or something down or not even that or anything. But then they insulated the floor of the room above, and then they put vents in the walls. So the idea was, well, let's ventilate the, the space in there. Well, the, the idea of, of how crawl spaces should work has really changed and now what you should have with your crawl space, it should be almost treated like a mini basement. Um, so there, there's a, I've talked about this guy before, um, Joe, Joe Steebrook. He's a principal at Building Science Corporation. It's a company out west. This guy is the guru on cold weather construction. And if you went to his website, Building Science Corporation, he's got all kinds of free articles on there. And he's got one talking about crawl space insulation. And we should really treat, like I said, the crawl space like a, a basement. You want to insulate the walls. You don't want to ventilate it to the outside. You actually want the air to exchange with your basement and not heat the floor. Or not, I mean, I'm sorry, not insulate the floor. But then that means you have to have a really good vapor barrier, preferably concrete on the crawl space floor, but at least a good vapor barrier to keep all that moisture and, and also a lot of times radon coming up from that crawl space floor. That's what I was going to say with the dirt. Isn't that the risk if that, you just have a crawl space with, with dirt with a vapor barrier it, over it? At least around here, yes, they, that you, you could get a lot of radon coming up out of that floor. But it, they just can get really nasty if you close it up, if you have this, this access. I mean, if Dayton was here, he would tell you about it. When I inspected his house shortly after he bought it out in Brookfield, he's, he's got a basement but his house has been added onto a couple of times. He's got two crawl spaces, and they, the there were the openings into them. They had screens over them, so you could look into them. But they were dirt floors and no real vapor barriers. I think his radon was a little high. I'm, I'm fairly certain it was. So he had a company come in. I don't remember who he used to come out, clean things up, and insulate them. Put in a vapor barrier and clean them up. And, and, you know, to, so that they're working much better because that is a big area of heat loss. Jason, we're going to talk with Jason here in a little bit about heat loss. But that, that box sill, that's that space right underneath your floor and right above the, the foundation wall, that, that should be sealed up and insulated really well. Just about every new builder today is using the spray foam in there. But at least you want to have some fiberglass insulation in there uh, to, um, to keep that from you know all that heat from leaving the house right there all right we've got some calls coming in we've got some texts all for david nason if you want to get through that uh wtmj talk and text line is open right now at 855-616-1620 it's going to be a little bit on the sunny side as the day goes on we're going to get up to about 40 degrees 33 at 740 at wtmj if you don't know what's wrong with your house he's here to help this is the Fix It Show with David Nason on WTMJ. Well, David, we've got some calls coming in at 855-616-1620. So let's go to Cheryl in Berlin. And Cheryl, you've got a problem with your cabinets in your kitchen? No, uh, two doors, a bathroom and kitchen door. And they oh. keep closing by themselves. Is there anything that I can do? And I live alone. <laughs> so... Um, your bathroom door, or basically doors in a house, bedroom, bathroom, kitchen doors, if they're closing by themselves, the the house probably settled just a little bit over time. Not enough that you can see cracks or anything, but enough that things are just a little bit out of balance. 
probably the easiest way, and if you're living alone, you might need somebody to help you with this. The doors, the the hinges have pins in them so that you can take the yep. door off the hinges. So if you can take one pin out, probably the easiest would be the middle one. If you can tap that well, out. How do I go about doing that? Well, that's what I'm saying. You might need some help. You got to get a, a hammer and maybe a little bit, a small screwdriver. And they usually go in from the top. So you go underneath and you tap that pin up and pull that pin out. So now you have the pin in your hand. And you want, want to go onto your basement floor or a concrete step or somewhere, probably, or if you have a workbench, and take a hammer and don't don't smash it, but hit the pin enough to just give it a little bit of a bend or maybe a ding in it. And what you want to try to do is you're trying to make more friction. So the right now the door swings really easy. You want to have one of those pins have a little more friction so that it actually holds the door in place. Okay. And then you, well, then yeah, you, this, you, this then hasn't you, gone on a long time. It's just like the last couple months, all of a sudden, just very gradually. Then you have somebody living in the house with you. No, I'm, <laughs> that's I'm kidding. terrible, <laughs> David. No, but that's the best I, yeah, maybe a ghost. That's the best old <laughs> carpenter trick that I heard is to try to tap one of the pins to cause a little more friction so that they stay in place. Okay, Cheryl. So, okay, so you. you need a carpenter, not a Ghostbuster. Right. Uh, thanks. Oh, thanks okay. for calling this morning. All right, David. We've got another question here. Uh, somebody wants to know about water softeners. They've got a well and very hard water. And uh, what do you suggest for them? So, if you have um, a well and and really hard water. You know, they didn't say iron, so but what I'm kind of reading between the lines there, maybe. So you might need a um, an iron filter, and so that they work differently. An iron filter and a softener. Iron filters take the iron out of the water, and so places down near Muskego, the south, southern part of Waukesha County, have a lot more iron in the water than some other places. And and then with softeners, probably the biggest difference is whether you have a two-tank or one-tank softener. And it, it, gets, it, gets really, it gets really into the science about how, you, how water is softened, which I always kind of explain to people that it's, it's magic. It's, in, in, in your house, there's two things that are magic, I think, water softeners and air conditioners. Because water softeners, you're running water through this tank and everything, and the water is soft. It takes out the hardness. Well, there's there's a whole lot of science to the, how the sodium breaks down the, the the ions in the water and such. With air conditioning, you got a thing outside that has two copper pipes attached to it, and you get cold air in your house. So we'll talk about that more next hour with Jason Fox. But um, but really, you talk to companies like uh, Softwater in Waukesha. They offer that Kinetico system, which is the two tank system. They can also offer the one tank system, but also Guthrie and Fry does uh, water softeners. So it's a good idea to to give them a call, have them explain their system, what they do for you. Uh, there's going to be a difference in cost uh, and really what what you're looking for in the quality of your water. Yeah, it's it definitely has it definitely makes a difference to have one though if you've got that really high iron count. All right, exactly. let's go to another question. David, um, here's a couple. They're both in their 80s, and, well, she unfortunately is having some trouble climbing those basement stairs to do the laundry. So mm-hmm. they're thinking about installing a ventless washer-dryer 
all in one unit uh, in one of the empty bedrooms. Can you comment on the feasibility of doing this? And uh, by the way, I do have, um, we've got a condo, which mm-hmm. has very limited space, and I have an all-in-one washer-dryer. It was the best thing I ever got. Right. I mean, if you're not doing a lot of laundry, those things are amazing. Mm-hmm. So what you're talking about in Correct me if I'm wrong. You're talking about a, a dryer. Of course, a washing machine, you just need water and a drain. You need hot and cold water supplies and a drain. And most plumbing water lines, the plumber can run just about anywhere because they're under pressure. Drains, you have the drain has to drain down. So you gotta be you gotta have a f- closet or something where you can get to all that. With a dryer, typically what you needed was electricity or gas to run it for the heat. But then you also needed to vent it, and so typically we're venting our dryers outside. We won't. We don't really want that all that linty, warm, humid air in our house. That does, that does not help the indoor air quality at all. And so these these diverters that I see sometimes on dryer vents into your basement, that's not a good idea. But what you're talking about is a dryer that instead of vents the air outside, it works more similar to an air conditioner. And what it's doing is it's taking that warm air and it's condensing it and turns it into water. And so now that water can just go down the drain that the washing machine drains down. So now you don't have to vent it. I think this really this technology really took off in Europe where they, uh, they have uh, smaller spaces and things, and these are great for condos. So that's definitely something they could look into. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, too, Libby, they're a little more expensive than your typical dryer washer unit, Well, and the the amazing thing about an all-in-one is you can program it so it cycles your your wash and then immediately goes into the dryer. You don't have two separate tubs. Oh, okay. It's literally all-in-one. And the unit that we have has a very large uh, tub in it, whereas if you had like a stackable, mm-hmm. then those come ventless as well. You can't fit anything in here, but I could do, I could do bedding wow. in this. It's so big, and I mean, I've had it for years, and it, it's really amazing. It's something if you have limited space mm-hmm. that you want to look into, and I understand that they're getting, um, you know, they're getting even more efficient right. than they used to be, but right. yeah, I'm, I'm a big believer in those if you've got just a little bit of room. Mm-hmm. I agree. All right. It is 7.50. We've got David Dason here. A few more minutes left on our open line portion of the show. And then coming up next hour, Jason Fox from Capital Heating, Cooling, and Electric is going to be joining us on the Fix-It Show. It looks like we're going to see some sun today. Hey, by the end of the week, we're going to be in the 50s today. Looks like we're going to touch 40. We've got 33 degrees at 7.51 on WTMJ. WTMJ, W277-CV, and WKTI-HD2 Milwaukee. From the Annex Wealth Management Studios, this is News Radio WTMJ, a good karma brand station. Your own personal handyman. This is The Fix-It Show with David Nason on WTMJ. Dayton Kane off. I'm Libby Collins along with David. And David, I know one of the most common questions that you get as a home inspector is, how can I become one? And what kind of training does it take to become a home inspector in the state of Wisconsin? Absolutely. Well, not everybody gets to have the incredible advantage that I had and work directly with Tom Faza. Um, I was very blessed back in 2013 to meet with Tom and 
and has been my mentor. And, and I actually just talked to him yesterday for a little bit. So uh, I check in with him a lot. But um, in 2021, the state of Wisconsin passed legislation that you now it is required to have to take a, uh, uh, I can't remember, 48 hours? No, it's got to be more than that. 40 hours. No, it's not, I don't remember the exact number. Sorry about that. But you have to take a class to become a home inspector now. And so WAHI, which is the Wisconsin Association of Home Inspectors here, which is the really the organization that focuses on Wisconsin and our standards that we have to follow for a, for a home inspection. And by the way, I'm the president of the organization right now. Um, the, we put on a class twice a year, and our next one is coming up the first week of March. It's going to be out in Madison. You can go to our website, wahigroup.com, and learn more about it. Uh, great class. The two teachers that put it on have been instructing home inspections for, for years, so they're very knowledgeable. And the neat thing about it is the last two days, Thursday and Friday, are on-site at a home. So the, you got three days of class and then two days where you're at a house with other inspectors, with the instructors. I usually volunteer for this. Where we go around, we take the new students and we go through the house, and this is how we inspect. This is what we look for. So it's a great opportunity. It is a great uh, profession. It's it served me very well. I enjoy it. I see so many different things, so many different houses. Um, you don't have to have the extensive background in construction that I have, uh, but it's good to have some kind of familiarity with a trade or something. And uh, it, like I said, it's a really good opportunity. The market is is going to come back this year. We are down uh, on the number of home inspectors in Wisconsin from pre, uh, well, 2020, pre-COVID kind of thing. We really mm-hmm. dropped off, but uh, but it, it's a lot. It, it is a lot of fun. The the camaraderie too of the, in the in the association and in the in that industry is is great as well. And and I know the last time we talked about this, I, we didn't get to this question on the air. Somebody wants to know: Do you have to be able to be physically able to like climb up on roofs and things like that? So you do not. Our standards do not require us to go on a roof. Actually, physically go on a roof. I am still of the opinion: If there's a roof that I can safely walk on, I will walk on it. Uh, drone technology is incredible. And a lot of people are, are using that. I will probably invest in one in the near future as I, I maybe get a little little more in, in my age. But I am still uh, on getting on roofs. Um, you do need to go up on ladders. You do need to go in the attic. Uh, well, again, we don't have to go in the attic, but you have to get up on the ladder and at least look in the attic. So, so you got to be physically fit for yeah, this job. Yeah, you really do. But you know what? If you... You could maybe uh, team up with somebody. There's there's oh. multi-inspector firms where you, you actually team up with somebody. Maybe you got somebody who's a little older and knowledgeable about things in construction. Right. And you got a younger person who's really wanting to learn. You both get into the industry. The younger person's doing the, the physical things, getting on the roof, and you're, you're working as a team. And that can be really helpful. Well, we'll talk about this at another time right. because next hour we've got Jason Fox from Capital Heating and Cooling and Electric joining us on The Fix-It Show. And The Fix-It Show is sponsored by Siding Unlimited and J&B Construction. This has been The Fix-It Show on WTMJ, presented by J&B Construction and Siding Unlimited. Advice and opinions expressed during the program are solely that of the hosts or guests at not WTMJ Radio or Good Karma Brands Milwaukee, LLC.